first part this week, and guess what? The second part next week. That's not bad. But then after that, I don't know whether while we're away, I think um, Claire mentioned it. After that, we're going to come and present a, our new vision for this year to the church. And this is going to be a vision that Lord's laid on my heart. It's nothing, don't, don't get, go crazy and think we're going to plant a church up in the Bahamas somewhere. It's nothing like that. But this is, no, I, you know, I've been asking God about that. I've been asking God about that. And he's just like going, no. But it's a very simple thing. And it's going to filter down through every department of this church. And so we just want to bring it, and we are excited about it. And so that'll be after the second part of this little mini-series that I'm going to do over the next two weeks. Now, God sometimes gives me preaches, and they come quite easily. And, you know, and if you do a lot of sermon prep or preaching, you, you know that happens sometimes. This one has been bubbling away and for a while, and now I feel it's the right time to bring it. It's, I've entitled it The Potter and the Clay. The Potter and the Clay. Um, and if you've got your Bibles, which I hope you have, I hope you just don't rely on these scriptures up here. Do you know what I'm going to do one week? I'm not going to have any scriptures. And we have to all look at our Bibles. Because sometimes we get a little bit obsessed with technology, don't we? It's good to get that, the Bible going and hear the pages being flicked through. So put your thumb in Isaiah 64. You know, I've never thrown a pot. Does anyone? That's what they call it, apparently. You have. Some people have. It's not, it's not easy, is it? I've never done it, but they, they say it is quite difficult to get it perfect. And when an expert throws a pot on a, on a potter's wheel, it looks beautiful because it's created by an expert. Do you know that you are beautiful? You've been created by an expert. The only time I've ever had to deal with clay was perhaps when I was in school, when they did the maths lesson. They would say, Andrew, we're doing maths. Go and play with the clay. <laughs> that was me. That's probably why I'm so rubbish at it. Or they probably guessed that's why I was. I probably needed extra maths, not clay. You don't do that now, do you? <laughs> so. Isaiah was grieving over the sin of the land. And he, he starts to speak about it in Isaiah 64. And he said, we, we are unworthy, we're rubbish, we, we, we sin against you all the time, we keep failing all the time. And in his lamenting and in his woes, he came to verse 8 and he said this, he said, ah, but, but Lord, he said, you're our father, we are the clay, you're the potter, we are all formed by your hand, we are formed by your hand because you are the potter. We are just the clay. You know, I think today, especially in our society, human beings, people are under attack more than ever by different groups trying to say who we can be, who we can't be. You can be someone different. You can be something different. Your very mind, your very soul is under attack from the enemy. So I'm going to ask some questions. Who is forming you? What is forming you? Who or what is giving you your identity? Isaiah said, 
we are formed by your hand. And that's not just our physical. I'm not just talking about creation here. But I will come on to that. It's, it's who we are, our identity. So first of all, I've got three points. First of all, the clay. We are the clay. Genesis 2 and verse 7. Hang on, let me have a look at this picture. I asked Matt to give me a picture. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, oops, hang on. That is cool. That's actually God's hands on the clay. We are the clay. This is what God said. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Did you know that all the elements for life are in the dust of the ground? Eight main elements account for more than 98% of the earth's crust. Those elements are essential for life. Oxygen is the most abundant in both the human body and in the dust of the ground. Your science is catching up because the biological engineers from Cornell University for nanoscience in New York State, they said this. That was a mouthful, but they said this. Clay might have been the birthplace of life on earth. They are starting to acknowledge, even though they don't realize it, what the Bible has been saying for a long time. God created us from the very earth, the clay. And if you look at the chemical elements of clay or earth and us, it's the same. You are clay. But the important thing about clay is that it has to be molded. Are you willing to be molded? Are you willing to be continually perfected. Because it's a process. When that lump of clay goes on the pot, it doesn't all of a sudden become a beautiful piece of pottery. There's a process to it. It has to be molded. It has to be formed. And our Creator forms us and molds us. Especially when we come to Him. He, he changes us. But if we resist him, it's more difficult. We have to allow ourselves to be formed. Lord, form me. Mold me. Do we have a choice? Mm, yeah. We can resist. Because clay cannot mold itself. It has to be formed by something. By someone. The potter has to knead that clay. If you've ever done that, you will, you will realize that you have to get that clay soft. You have to get that clay ready so that it can be, can be maneuvered and, and changed. The shape of it. The texture of it. And the potter's hands have to go deep inside. Especially if you're making a, a pot or a, or a cup with a hollow in the middle. I, be, I was looking at lots of videos of it to see how they did it. And the fingers, I can probably see up there, see how the, the fingers go down deep inside and they, they pull the sides up 
the hands of the potter has to go deep into the clay. How deep is his hands in your life? Are you just allowing him to, to shape some of you? The outside looks okay. Or are you saying, Lord, just get right down inside me? Doesn't the scripture says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing right into our very hearts? It can get right in there and change us from the inside out. God's hands literally in our lives to mold us, to transform us into he, into what he wants us to be. Not who someone else wants us to be. Not who society says we should be. Into who he wants us to be. This is why we have to give in to him. Give full control to him. He needs full cooperation from us. In order to get deep into our lives. Romans 12. Paul writes into the, the church in Rome and he said this. Romans 12 and verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, be molded by them. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, when the potter's hand is deep inside us, when it's molding us from the inside out, our very being, our very core changes. And that will change even the way we think. It won't be a natural way of thinking. It will be a spiritual way of thinking. Because we are the clay. He is the potter. We have to allow him to do that work that he has to do. He wants to do in our lives. So moving on from the clay. You cannot do anything with the clay until you add something to it. That's the water, yeah? Those who have done pottery. You have to add the water. Otherwise the the clay becomes brittle. It, it doesn't become malleable. It becomes a little bit prone to cracking. The water is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to saturate us to make us malleable, to make us able to be molded. You know, and I've met a lot of Christians. Some Christians are so stiff and so starchy. I, I'm just wondering... How much Holy Spirit is being poured into them, over them, through them. We need the Holy Spirit to keep saturating us. Soaking us. So that we don't become brittle and hard and stiff and starchy. Jesus said this in John 4, verse 13, verse 14. Famous verses. Anyone who drinks of this water, he was talking about himself. He said, anyone who drinks of this water, sorry, he was talking about the water at, at the well, but then he goes on about himself. Anyone drinks this water will be thirsty, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty. 
it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You know, natural water will run out, he says, but when you have the water that I bring, that's the water of the Holy Spirit, it will bubble inside you. It will flow inside you. It will saturate you. You see, when we come to Jesus Christ, when we accept him into our heart, into our life, when we give our lives to him, that's just the beginning. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives there, but that's just the beginning. There is so much more. There is so much more of this water of the Holy Spirit that he wants to saturate us. So it's not just making us nice and malleable. He wants it to flow through us. Some interesting passages in Acts 19. I'm going to read a a little bit here. I think it's from verse 1 down to about verse 6. Paul was on his missionary journey and he encountered some Christians, some believers. And it says that. He encountered some believers in Corinth. Sorry. In Ephesus. Listen to what he says. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. You see, they, be- they believed. It says they were believers. But then there was an extra stride that they had to take in their walk. Even though they were believers, they needed more steps. They needed to up the pace. And, and Paul said to them, what about the Holy Spirit? And they said, yeah, well, we don't know about that. What's that? So he says, come on, catch up. And when he prayed over them, this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out even more. You see, when you come to Christ, yes, the Holy Spirit enters you and your spirit comes alive. But there is so much more. And the thing is, the enemy of our souls will tell you there is no more. You say, that's it. He knows he's lost you. That's it. There's no more. But he doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to be molded. He doesn't want you to be saturated. God always wants us to go deeper. I think sometimes we've, we've sipped when we might have drunk deeply. We've drunk deeply when we might have waded in. We've waded in when we might have swum. The enemy would say at every level, there's no more. There's no more. But God says there's always more. There's always more. Don't just say this afternoon, well, I'm okay now. God says, I want more. I want to give you more. I want you to be saturated. What if, I don't really know, you might be saying, well, 
perhaps, perhaps I am walking in the fullness. Perhaps I am in deep. I don't know. I tell you what, if, if you have the Holy Spirit flowing through you, you'll know. And if you don't really know, then just to be sure, ask for more. <laughs> Always ask for more. Say, Lord, I want more of you. Doesn't the psalmist say in so many psalms, change me, teach me more of you. The Apostle Paul kept saying, I want more of you. It's not a bad prayer. With a clay, we can only be molded when we are saturated with the Holy Spirit. Then we come on to the potter, the expert, the specialist, the creator. And you will know, those of you who have had a little go at this pottery lack, when the expert comes along, you think, wow, that looks so easy. And the things that the experts can do that you can't do. Our God is the expert creator. He takes this lump of clay here. And he goes to work on it. And he develops and he creates. And I'm not just talking about the physical appearance, although he's done a pretty good job, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the work he's had to do in my life. What he can do in your life. He takes that lump of clay and he says, let me just mold you. Let me just form this. Let me just take this away. Let me just push that up there. Let me make this hollow here. Let me fill you with this. He is the expert. You see, and we are, the Bible says, created in his image. That doesn't just mean the way we look. Animals were not created in his image. We are unique. We are body, soul, and spirit. Our emotions, our intellect, our choice, our free will. We were created in his image. He's taken a pride in us and he wants to continue to mold us. He knows what he's doing. The potter knows what he's doing. Sometimes when I was watching this potter working on, on, on YouTube and just so they could get a feel of, of, of how he works. And you think, what on earth is, is he doing here? And he'd put his thumb into the middle and I think, well, that looks deformed right now. And he would press it and, and all of a sudden something would form and, it, and he was making a jug. And, the, and it, I, 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 how on earth did he do that? It just sort of appeared. Why? Because he's the expert. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows what the finished product will look like before it's the finished product. He knows what it will be used for before it's even finished. He knows what it will carry. He knows what it will hold. He knows how robust to make it 
or how delicate to make it. And that's you and I. We're not all exactly the same, are we? He might make some a little bit more robust robust than others because he knows that they might have to carry a little bit more. He might make others a little bit more delicate because he knows that that's the spirit they need. And we're all different. But we have to make sure we saturate it and allow him to form us. I love these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. This jar of clay can be full of a treasure, which is Him. Like a diamond being honed. You see, the artist, the the potter, the creator, the expert, loves his creation. I don't know if you're a creative person or not. I think I am. And I like to create some stuff. I build some stuff now and again around the house, in the garden. Have you heard me talk about my deck I built 20 years ago? Let me tell you, I built a deck 20 years ago. It's still there. It hasn't fallen down. No. <laughs> that was my next part. It's not the most level deck you've ever stood on. But a couple of years ago, I did take up the one side and made it a bit le- It The water runs off it nicely. I think that's why it's lasted so long. If you put a cup on the table, the cup's like, no. It's not that bad. My wife will tell you, once I made that, I would sit out there. I wouldn't sit on it. I would just sit and just look at it. I made that. Have you ever done that with something you've made or done? You just, oh, I did that. You get a pride about it, don't you? You love it. And see, God is like that with us. He says, you're mine. Because you're the clay. I'm the potter. And I love it. I love it in that verse where, where is it? Isaiah throws it back to God, didn't he? Oh, we are sinful, blah, blah, blah. We are so woe, woe is me. But, but you're our father. You made us. Oh, that touches the heart of the father. How many father's hearts or mother's or parents' hearts don't just melt when their son or daughter says, I know, I, have, I know I'm, I'm wrong, but you're my dad. You love me, don't you? And Isaiah was playing that card with God. I know we're bad, but you're our father. You made us. He loves you because he made you. He loves you because he is making you, creating in you. 
Isn't it good to know that? Isn't it good to know that he's your father? And I was writing that down. And I wrote that line down. It's good to know he's my father. But then as soon as I wrote that down, as if God said to me, it's not good enough to know. It's not good enough just to know that. You've got to feel it. You've got to feel my hand that's down inside you. You've got to feel me changing you. Don't just know it. Feel it. Feel his love. Feel his mercy. Jeremiah went through the same experience. I'm going to read a few verses from Jeremiah 18, 1 to 6. Listen to what God said to Jeremiah. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's house, and I will speak to you there. So off Jeremiah went down to the potter's house. He did as he was told, and he found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped for. So the potter took it, and he crushed it into a lump of clay again, and he started over. Then the Lord gave this message. He said, oh, Israel. Can I not do the same as you, with you as this potter is doing to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so you are in my hands. You know, sometimes the clay gets some grit in it. It will start to, to crack as it's being formed. It may fall a little bit out of shape. And what the potter will do then is reform it. He will crush it down again. He will pull out the bits that shouldn't be there. And he will form it anew. You know, sometimes we get out of shape, don't we? I know I do. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I've got a bad attitude. And God goes, let me deal with that. Will you allow me to just reform that? He might need to cut some bits out of our lives. But it's all for our good. The potter knows what he's doing. When he's reforming that part, he said, I don't need that in there. It will be a deformity. It will be, and I'm not talking about physical here. I'm talking about a, a, a character flaw or a spiritual flaw. And he says, I need to get rid of that. And he will take it out. Sometimes this is people in our lives. This could even be relationships. It could be jobs, it could be attitudes, it could be beliefs, sin, whatever it is. God goes, I'm the potter. I just want to take that and remold. And with the, the water of the Holy Spirit, he says, let me do that. Are we allowing him to do that? You see, Isaiah and Jeremiah, they never took God's mercy for granted. They never took him for granted. Then I went back to Isaiah 64, and I was reading through, and I think it was in verse 6, if you've got your Bibles open, where Isaiah said, our righteousness is just like filthy rags. And I thought, wow, even when we are attempting to be righteous, even when we are doing our best Sometimes it's just like filthy rags. 
if it's in the wrong attitude. But then I went and looked and did a bit of research. You know I like to quote a bit of Charles Spurgeon now and again. And I wanted to see what Spurgeon said about this. It came to a point when I was in my studies, I just had to close my Bible. I had to get up from my desk. I had to walk around because God just hit me with these words of this great man, this great preacher, Spurgeon, what he said about Isaiah 64 and verse 6. Our righteousness can be like filthy rags. Listen to what he said. And I'm quoting him. He said, there is sin in our prayers. They need to be prayed again. There is filth in our very tears that we shed in penitence. There is sin in our very holiness. There is unbelief in our faith. There is hatred in our very love. There is the slime of the serpent upon the fairest flower of our garden. Sometimes we think that we're so righteous in our own strength that we have to go back and address it. And sometimes when we come before God in our righteousness and not His, and our falseness, He says, let me, let me remove that. Just like the potter in Jeremiah. Let me reform that. Now go back and pray it again. Now go back and shed some more tears. Why? Because he's the potter. We're the clay. Verse 9. Look at what Isaiah said. He said, don't be so angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray. And see that we are your people. You see, the clay is at the mercy of the potter. We're at the mercy of our God. God is merciful. And he shows us his grace. And he shows us his mercy. The writer to the Hebrews, and I'm just finishing up now. The writer to the Hebrews, he quoted this in Hebrews 8 and verse 12. I will be merciful to the unrighteous, God is saying. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. You see, God doesn't have to keep forgiving. He has forgiven Hebrews says, once and for all, that sacrifice was made. That forgiveness is flowing. But it's up to us to repent and to confess our sin. 1 John 1 verse 8, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's not take His mercy for granted. Because we're just the clay. And the clay is at the mercy of the potter. But he is a merciful God. He is a loving God. He's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. I said there would be an opportunity if you want prayer. At the end of this service. So I'm going to ask our worship team to just come back up.
right now because I'm just going to wind this up. But it's time, like I said earlier, to maybe examine ourselves and say, Lord, am I really being molded by you? Is there some things in my life that perhaps need to be reshaped? Is there some attitude? Is there some things in my life that perhaps just stick it back on that potter's wheel? What about praying, Lord, saturate me with the Holy Spirit? I want more. I want more. You see, the potter didn't throw that clay away. He didn't say, well, this lump is no good anymore. Let's get another lump. He said, no, I'll work on this. I'll continue to work on this. He will finish the work in you. He's not done with you yet. He can continue to mold you. Are you willing to say, Lord, just get your thumbs down in there. Put your hands on me. Whose hands are forming you? What is forming you? Is that worry, that anxiety, that situation, that circumstance, is that forming who you are? Or is God's hands on you? Yeah, we're going to continue. We'll worship now. If you want to respond and you want someone to stand with you and pray with you, then that's fine.